Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is The Curse of Nineveh. It was written by Mike Mason, Mark Latham, Scott Darward, and Paul Fricker, and it's available from the Chaosium website. I'm the GM, and this is episode 10. Our recap will be given by John Byram as his character, Felix Matthews. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. John? Thank you, Tom. It's been a busy day. Taxing, and, and one that seems to have provided only enough answers to open a plethora of new questions. We finally gained a bit of traction in this investigation. After speaking with three victims of destructive break-ins, we've obtained the name of a man who is dealing under the table in stolen antiquities from the British Museum. Morris Gibbons, a most average man who works as a porter for the museum. But it seems he's peddling cursed objects, and he's stirred up an angry spirit. Reports are showing up in the vicinity of the museum of attacks and injuries caused by an entity unknown, a dark mass, a ghost. We'll learn more tomorrow when we meet with Langdon and get a better idea of what's really happening in the deep recesses of the museum. Until then, we'll keep our eyes peeled. Cool. All right. So, what is your next move? It's it's late evening, right? And the uh, statue was just transferred from Vadim over, or from Cyrus to Vadim. That's correct. Did Vadim Vadim had a bad dream? Yes. All right. So we called it a night and. We're into the next morning at this point. Yes, it's the next morning. And Vadim has had a horrible night. Almost no sleep. Um, are you going to all meet back at the Wentworth Club this morning? You have a you have a meeting with Langdon later on yeah i guess we should all have breakfast meet up for breakfast and get caught up on sounds agreeable see if anything's come in the mail to the club i'm coming in maybe a little bit more than fashionably late looking rather haggard and uh, and, uh which everybody knows disheveled disheveled <laughs> <laughs> for me i mean like it's like I tried to uh, look look like a gentleman, but it's kind of like hair's popping up a little, and the color may not be entirely straight. I think at this point, Vadim, no amount of research is worth that nasty statue in your house. Well, I gained a, I gained a few bits of uh, idea of what's going on, but I don't think I can get any more from it. Yeah, not nearly enough for the the torture of the dreams. <clears throat> so, what are your plans? You guys are discussing that amongst yourselves. Obviously, we got our date with, uh, we got our appointment with, with Langdon. And um, while we're having breakfast, I, I asked my, a couple of guys from my staff last night if they had even heard of this uh, Morris Gibbons. Mm-hmm. They 
they've got a lot of they've got a lot of history with that kind of uh, with that kind of of crowd with the possibly the underbelly of society, uh, and they'd never even heard of the guy, nothing. Uh, so, if anything, he hasn't been he wasn't in the same places that they were at the same time. So, that was a complete strikeout, but. Uh, so that tells me he's probably not, he probably does not have a record. Um, no, I think what's suggested is that um, this is a criminality based entirely upon circumstances. Exactly. He found himself with access to things and appetites. And, and that being said, something else popped in my mind. And, I, you know, I, obviously it's starting to consume me even when I go to sleep at night. I'm thinking about this and, and just scenarios are running through my head glossop glossop was killed by a by an item that was uh, subsequently stolen what do you guys think about the possibility that gibbons actually killed glossop because he happened to walk up on him while he was taking an item that he was getting ready to deliver to someone who ordered it well, I think it unlikely because the uh, Naboo bust in question was so heavy that Gibbons couldn't have taken it out himself. And so it seems to be more likely, as that also occurred at the same time that the red turbans were killing other Naboo owners and retrieving those artifacts, that uh, that was a, a case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time when they came to retrieve another Naboo for whatever insidious shrine they're building, wherever. Right. Well, I could be mistaken, but... Well, being as they haven't put that crime on anyone in particular, we could actually use that as leverage against Gibbons. That could work. Yes, the risk, of, the risk of going down for murder might loosen his tongue if the risk of going down for minor embezzlement doesn't. Exactly. Conceivable, up the ante, and it's going to fit perfect with everything he does. We know he's taking things out of there. Now, did we try and look him up in the white pages or get an address for him? We did not. But I think that should, should be point of order. Yeah. Well, he might not have a phone. Not everybody does. We got to see if there's a way that we can find out from the museum his home address because they have to have it. He's an employee. Or next of kin or, you know, there's got to be some sort of records of employment. Or a pay stub. Correct. I'd like you all to do us uh, an idea role. I'd like us to as well. Nineteen. <laughs> Thirteen, which is an extreme. Forty-one is a regular success. Extreme. Well, those of you who have extremes have this, this nagging little voice ringing in your head that says something to the extent of, the problem is, is that if you turn in Gibbons, you turn in all of the people who have purchased things from Gibbons which gets them in trouble, which you were supposed to avoid. 
Well, like it depends that. on whether Gibbons um, rats or not. We are using imprisonment as uh, the carrot on the stick. We, we don't have to tell the police anything. He just needs to believe he's going to go to jail. Perception over reality. There's also the question of talking about Gibbons at some point to the head of security at the museum rather than to the authorities themselves. But that's if we just want to cut Gibbons off so he stops giving tainted artifacts or selling tainted artifacts. So, Adim, your researchers haven't indicated anything to you about a phantom or shadow with relationship to the cult of Naboo? No. Because my concern is we have no idea how to stop this thing from striking. Um, speaking of the phantom, from the last gentleman we had spoken to who said the spirit said he was earwigging him, it doesn't sound like some ancient deity or even an ancient priest which would make sense as a protector. It sounds like some sort of parlor trick, possibly, or if you believe in magic, maybe some thug using some sort of magical spell. But I don't see um, an ancient, you know, uh, Nineveh priest speaking in Cockney. Or... It's not a parlor trick. It's um, something more. Uh, right, I'm just saying that it it doesn't strike me as an ancient spirit. It's some sort of manifestation of a modern person, because of the the way I forgot the gentleman's name, but described what he heard, and then the guy began the spirit pummeled him around the head and stuff. It just strikes me as a modern day person. I think I and know that, what it is. Yeah. What do you think? Well, and we talked about it last night, um, but uh, oh, pondering yeah. upon it, pondering upon it, I think I have a potential. I think what that particular spirit that uh, was talking in uh, modern English—it's uh, not a, exactly a spirit. It's. Um, have you ever heard of? Um, oh, what's the term in English? Um, astral projection. I've heard of that. Right. Well, basis of astral projection in generality is uh, you put your consciousness upon the uh, astral plane, which is another world uh, of sorts, uh, or, or dream worlds or, or such. But it's, there are accounts of certain um, holy people, uh, like uh, Dungpas in, in uh, Tibet, that uh, can actually project their consciousness uh, away from their body on this realm. And it's a, it is a mystical uh, sort of meditative art. And uh, it, works like, it works like going on, on dream worlds, spirit realms, that sort of thing, but you're, you're projecting your consciousness, your spirit onto this world, this reality, I guess you could say. And uh, upshot of which is you could go about and nobody would know you're there. But it could be because you have such a big presence there, aspects of you manifest like uh, speech. 
So what I'm thinking, uh, like what we talked about last night, even more and more, is that we are dealing with uh, someone who knows the mystic arts better than we, and has actually done studies in the in these and other other things. And it also fits the mo of our uh, second party out there, and maybe with the Guido guy who's uh, who caused our uh, friends to go boom in the back of uh, Felix's car. It's a rather different sort of manifestation than smashing, smashing a bunch of crockery, though. Um, it's true. I think we're dealing with two things. Are there traditions in which um, this ability to project oneself um, is associated with some sort of artifact? Sometimes, yes. Uh, sometimes there is... Um, it's like a, fo a foci. Is you uh, a person who is, I guess you could say, a magician or uh, or a mystic, uh, can create um, can create objects which has stored uh, energy or a or it has a connection. It's kind of like the witch is familiar, uh, which I'm sure you all are fam uh, familiar with. No pun intended, um, but. Uh, but it's object, yeah, but it also is kind of like um, talking in modern terms, a uh, relay. Yes, or a conduit. Because see, I'm or thinking conduit, yes. that, um, you know, I'm going backwards from motivation. Mm -hmm. uh, why smash the collections of uh, rival collectors, unless you yourself are a collector? I mean, if things aren't being stolen, and if there's this, the retributive behavior of the brotherhood, but if it's something pettier, perhaps uh, Mr. Gibbons sold something powerful to one collector mm. and that collector is using it to wreak havoc on others without especially, doing much in the way of harm. Uh, especially if- Off on the head. Yeah, especially if collector already knows how to uh, do do astral projection. This would like. This would increase his ability and uh, increase his uh, his 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 everything with 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 what he's learned. I wonder and who at the Wentworth Club has purchased something from Mr. Gibbons. It's quite possible that quite quite a few people have, which would be yes. interesting because if you. I don't think this. I'll get back with you on that. I, I have some thoughts. Don't forget that scrawled message in the wall that said, I believe, set me free, was it? I think that's something else. I think we're dealing with two different spiritual entities. One is the the mystic that is uh, astral projecting, and the other is um, is this uh, phantom from the, uh, from the uh, cursed objects. Could he have accidentally put himself on that plane? That's true, and it may be possible that he's trapped on, on, on a certain kind of like in-between worlds. That's another possibility. That's a good thought. And that's the way he's trying to get the attention. Yes. Hmm. Good thinking, gentlemen. Good thinking. Perhaps. And also, I can imagine that if he is unintentionally made himself occupy some sphere other than the normal, that it's affecting his mind. It would. I mean, we're only made to really exist in this reality. Trying to put your mind in other realities is, is a great shock. 
he could be busting up everyone's items because he doesn't know which one got him stuck there. So in his mind, he may be helping everyone else. Maybe awesome. I wonder if it is Gibbons then. Like maybe he's he trapped. I don't think it's Gibbons. I think it's a second party that we're uh, we've been talking about. I think, and like I said, I I will go out on a limb to say we are dealing with uh, a warlock, a literal warlock who is not like us, who is not a dabbler in in the mystic arts. We're talking someone who knows what they're doing. And that's rather frightening if they have, uh, if they're willing to uh, take their uh, fellows and uh, put protocol on them that they explode when they talk too much. On the upside, if this fella, if there is another, another party who is there not by his own will, if we can connect with that, with that entity, that spirit, then we've got somebody on the inside now. Because we can help, if, as long as he knows that we can help, we can do what we can to get him back out. Then at least we have somebody that's already on the inside. That we the inside of the outside. Exactly. Well, that could also but, be the reason why uh, why these uh, second parties going about is because the uh, obvious observers have been found and uh, they are using this to uh, continue to observe, but uh, in, in a very clandestine way. Well, if that's not the case, if it turns out that that's not the case, mm -hmm. let's remember this because this is one hell of a story, gentlemen. One hell of a story. Agreed. What time is our appointment with Lance, uh, Langdon? Longdon? Langdon. We'll say 10 a.m. Nadine? Coffee? <laughs> yeah, da, da, coffee. Coffee. So, unless you want to talk about something else, we can move ahead to the museum. I think right. we're... Go ahead. No, I think we, I think that's... We're all, uh, you know, none of us have slept reliably for the last few months, so... All right. Uh, so you walk up the steps of the British Museum and you... Uh, you talk to the receptionist, and uh, uh, she says, uh, do you know where his office is? And uh, obviously you don't. So uh, she has uh, an assistant uh, take you to Mr. Langton's office. And once again, you go through a, a side door. Uh, you're in those uh, the offices. The, there's hallways. There's offices. And there are big stairs leading downstairs. Um, there's also a lift. I mean, it's not completely barbaric building. <laughs> um, so uh, you come to his door and you knock, and he and the door opens, and uh, and he's there, and he says, "Ah, oh, gentlemen, come inside. Please have a seat. Can uh, can we get you coffee or anything like that?" I'll have a coffee, and I'm sure Vadim would like one too, please. <laughs> All right. Very much so. Thank you. So he has his assistant uh, fetch coffee and stuff like that. And he says, gentlemen, uh, you kind of perplexed me. You've, you, you came in uh, months ago. Uh, 
asking questions and looking for things. Uh, you, you mentioned something about possible black market involvement in things. What, what, what are you here to tell me or, or ask me? Well, the first thing that I'd, I'd really like to ask you about is, is the amount of injuries and accidents you've had as of late with your employees. Yes, that is strange. Um, I'm not exactly sure how I can explain it. Of course, accidents happen all the time, but these seem rather, rather specific. Our, uh, our corporate lawyer, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Baldwin Cooper was attacked. Um, uh, 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 Mr. Alfie uh, uh, McLaughlin uh, was a porter here. Uh, well, he is a porter here. He's in the hospital. Uh, he was attacked. Both men claim that they don't know what attacked them. And I'm sure that other employees have, uh, have some similar stories. See, there's, there's long been a rumor, uh, more than a rumor, kind of a this is an old building. And whenever you get these old buildings, especially like a museum, people think they're haunted. Now, personally, I think that's a little silly. But nevertheless, when you work in a building like this, especially late at night, there is a lot of empty space. There is a lot of little cubbies. Uh, people get unnerved. And in both of these cases, these men claim that Something they couldn't see attacked them. I, I don't know what to make of it. There seems to be most of the activity going on uh, downstairs in the vaults, um, which is what we call the underground. There's just like a, a cobweb of corridors and passages and storage rooms and stuff. Uh, Really, most of what the museum has is down there. The stuff you see up here is the interesting stuff. The stuff down there is either uncatalogued or it's just not that interesting. We keep it in trust for the future. You know. It's curious that Mr. Baldwin Cooper, though, would be in the vault. No, I don't believe he was. I believe he was just outside. Yes. He was attacked. Um, I think he was attacked as he was heading home on October 22nd. And even if there isn't any sort of extra normal uh, circumstance around these things, if there aren't any ghosts or hands involved, still there, the injuries are consistent with being attacked, not with stumbling on the stairs or falling off a curb. Oh, black eyes and uh, poor Mr. McLaughlin was, uh, seems to have been choked Mm-hmm. It's dreadful stuff. But nothing that you know, there were no property crimes involved with these that you're aware of. Well, you know, there's a special, there's a, there's a specific problem that you're talking about that, that's, that, that we don't have, it, there's not really any possibility of knowing. We can't, we, we have never done a complete inventory of everything that we have downstairs. It, it would be a monumental task. It would take decades to do. 
And so if something were to go missing, God forbid, we probably would never notice it. Somebody 50 years from now would suddenly say, hey, there's this thing on the, on the list that we can't find. And even then they would probably think, well, it's probably somewhere and we just don't know where it is. It sounds very haphazard, but it's really not. It's quite organized. It's just, there's so much of it. There it are. seems like it might be very tempting to some less scrupulous types. Well, I hope that our employees are better than that. But One we, does. Are, we are human beings, and human beings are prone to... And the staff must be hundreds of people. Indeed, yeah. And if you have 400 employees, you can't expect 400 saints. I mean, there are at least somewhere around 40 or 50 porters. Uh, and, and in addition to, well, who, who, what, do we, does every employee have access to the vaults? Well, I would say they don't really have any business going down there, but uh, any curator or porter who went down there, nobody would even question that. That's, that's what they do all day long. Mm -hmm. Now, this might seem like a strange question, but you said there's roughly 40 porters? Yes, I, I, I don't know the exact number. Is there a um, master list of them? Oh, of course there'd be a, there's a, we, we know who our employees are. Would you be offended if we took a look at that list? Well, I'm not sure what the protocol would be. You'd probably have to clear that with the board of directors. Um, people's, people's addresses are private. Right. But uh, I, I'm not so sure that that would apply to an employee list. We could we could probably get you something like that. Why? Just still continuing our uh, investigation on. It, I don't want to say too much now, but if anything pans out, it would be a hundred percent in the museum's benefit. I understand. I, you know, we just kind of have to leave it at that right now. Well, not that we don't trust you at all. It's that we don't want to make accusations that are unfounded and have some innocent be looked at down the nose. Well, if, you, if you'd like to better understand what I'm talking about, I mean, we can go for a walk. I can, I can show you what we're talking about downstairs. Absolutely. He says, well, follow me, gentlemen. And uh, something to bear in mind as this all is occurring is there are people working all around you. There are secretaries, there are employees, there are people with carts with masks and faces and and bits of pottery and stuff that they're wheeling around they're all dressed as porters they're you know and they look very clean cut very well dressed um and they're going back and forth doing stuff uh, there are curators looking at things there are people studying there are sketch artists that are sketching sketches of particular pieces and everybody seems to be busy. Uh, now, you go down the stairs, and you have a little bit of that, but less so. And when you enter the area they call the vault, which is vast, um, there's a few people there, you know, a few porters going back and forth. Um, uh, you come into one area, and there is a 
uh, a woman. She looks like she's in her 30s. She's well-dressed. Uh, she's rather pretty. Um, uh, she is very busy sitting at a desk with a, a bright little lamp, and she's got uh, a piece of pottery uh, that she is um, she's taking notes of and, and sketching. And uh, 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 the curator says, uh, "Ah, uh, Miss Lycaster," and she looks up and he and he says, uh, uh, "These are some of our friends, the friends of the museum. They're." Uh, they're looking around. They're, uh, they're. I'm sort of giving them a, a an impromptu tour. Uh, would you mind telling us what you're working on? And she says, "Well, sure." She says, "You know, I'm working on these uh, Egyptian pieces of pottery." And she gives you a a few minutes of of talk about it. She seems very serious, but uh, very enthusiastic in doing what she's doing. Um, uh, he also, uh, uh, runs across, uh, a secure, the security guard, one of the security guards, uh, Mr. Yates, uh, the head of security. And he says, um, these gentlemen are investigating, uh, certain disturbances going on here. Uh, I have an appointment in about 20 minutes. Uh, they have permission to be looking around. All right. So, um, gentlemen, I'll leave you if you want to, if you need help getting back out, which if you find the main corridor and go that way, you'll hit the stairs. Very good. Thank you for your time, Mr. Langdon, as always. Um, how's the, uh, the, uh, Assyrian, the new Assyrian, uh, show coming along? Um, he stops in his tracks and he turns back and he goes, how do you know about that? That's supposed to be a secret. We accidentally bumped into it as a work in project uh, process when we were here uh, in the summer. Can I, can I ask who, uh, who spilled the beans? We are nosy Parkers, you know, Mr. Langdon. Uh, well, it, it doesn't matter. Yes, yeah. it's coming along very, they're, uh, we're very excited. Um, we have some remarkable pieces that we're going to put on display. Uh, um, we're all very excited about it, yes. I have a keen interest in that area, so I'm looking very much forward to it. And uh, uh, we'll keep, you know, mum, of course. Well, Miss, uh, Miss Leicaster there, she's, uh, she's worked on cataloging uh, a number of the artifacts. You should, uh, you can talk to her. She can tell you a little bit about it. But please, it's... It's it's a secret. We're not we're not releasing this to the public just yet. So, Probably. you guys are very good investigators. If you manage to get that out of somebody, thank you, Mr. Langdon. Um, gentlemen, do you want to do you want to take uh, do you want to have two people talk to Lycaster and two to uh, Mr. Yates? Sure. And do we want to hint to Mr. Yates that that we think things are going missing, or is that tipping our hand too hard? Well, I'd hate to get him. I'd hate to get him riled up to where he's starting to look at everything much closer, or even worse, find out that he's a part of it as well. Because mm. then we'll be completely shut out. Well, from the looks of this place, I don't think uh, Gibbons would need a co-conspirator. No, it's pretty wide open. But. Um. 
All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try Lycaster. Anyone want to join me? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead, uh, Cyrus. I mean, it's not unusual at this point for you all to stick together as a group. That's what he said. You're looking around, so. Uh, okay. Um. <clears throat> all right. So she's she's there, and she's like, she's like, uh, it's a lot of stuff, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite remarkable and overwhelming. So you do uh, Egyptian and Assyrian. Oh, yes, I pretty much do whatever whatever needs to be done. I have I have a special interest in the Egyptian, uh, but the Assyrian is fascinating too. Quite. Do you uh, do you read any cuneiform? Uh, somewhat. Not not very good at it. It's a deuce and tricky business, after all. It's yes. It's I'm I'm more of a cataloger and administrator than a a a, a, a linguist. Mm-hmm. Did you know our unfortunate friend, Mr. Glossop, then? Oh, that was a terrible loss. Yes, he was a wonderful man. That's what I understand. We had a friend in common. Does oh, it make you nervous at all that, uh, you know, he could succumb to violence like that right in the museum grounds? Well, that is upsetting, yes. Um, I think that uh, I think that they've increased security somewhat. Uh, since then, um, but you know, it's it seems also to me that it was so random that somebody broke in, and he just happened to be there. Yes, I mean, in a place this vast, it could have been just two rooms away, and they could have done their evil deed unseen. Correct. He would have also, you know, despite uh, what's a man's life worth. Um, no, no object in this place is so priceless that a man's life is worth losing over it. He should have just let them take what they wanted. Well, do you think he engaged in unreasonable heroics, or do you just think that they were ruthless? Well, I think, I think from what I heard, he tried to fight them off. Oh. And that's probably what got him killed. Yes, I agree that there's not a... An object in here, no matter how priceless, it's worth a man's life. But of course, there are people who would disagree with us. That's, there are disreputable people. Hopefully none of them ever come to the museum. Hmm. So Miss Leicester, do you know anyone uh, right just offhand that may be fluent in, uh, in the cuneiform? Well, uh, I mean, Mr. Uh, the whole collection is Mr. Uh, Thompson's collection. Um, it's not not entirely, but he's he's one of the main contributors to the, the collection. Uh, I'm sure he knows cuneiform. Uh, yeah, there's quite a few curators who would at least be able to get by passably better than I would. Right. I just find it so fascinating because you don't know if it's you don't know if maybe there if that's some of the finest writings of of all time, or if it's just somebody's grocery list. Oh well, actually, that I mean, I can pretty much tell you, because uh, the things that we run across most commonly are exactly that: shopping lists and uh, and receipts. Um, and she she sort of walks over to a table and she says, for instance, this here is a receipt for uh, fruit and stuff like this. And he says, she says. I see these same symbols over and over and over again. So I pretty much know what it is. 
have there been any that stood out that came through where you know maybe it was more than more than just someone buying apricots well she smiles and she says well that's sort of our job part of what we're doing here is sifting the uh sifting the chaff from the wheat so to speak we're finding the ones that are worth showing to people and uh and getting not getting rid of but separating them out from the ones that are just nonsense or, or unimportant they're all important every single one but right. not worth showing the ones that you're showing are they already upstairs in the on the show floor or are, are they all kind yeah of- they're usually in the hands of curators by now and they're being restored they're being cleaned and and uh carefully uh i'm of course not in charge of of the displays or anything like that it passes from hand to hand. And when it passes from hand to hand, is there a lot of tedious paperwork involved? Say, if you wanted to send up a, a promising piece, would you give it to a porter with a bill of lading or a piece of paper to be stamped and filed somewhere? It's a little less formal than that. Uh, it's basically a curator will request a certain piece the porters will come down, they'll find it. Um, obviously, they're finding something that the, that the curators already know exists, so they'll know what its catalog number and where it is and everything. And, and then they'll just bring it to them as, as requested. Um, the most that would happen there is the curator would have probably logged that he was going to be working on a particular piece or, or examining it. And... I don't think that there's, you know, it's it's not any more rigid than that. Do you, do you know that? Perhaps it should be. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to do all the paperwork, which just becomes another problem of organization. Correct. Did you happen to know the, uh, the poor porter who was assaulted? Alfie. Oh. Yeah, I, I know a lot of the porters. I see them a lot as they come down here. Um, yeah, that was strange. Says he was uh, attacked by something. Yeah, something unseen. Do you have any uh, scary moments yourself down here? Um, it's a bit of a gloomy place. Not, 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 not really. Go ahead and do a psychology roll. No. It would have been a miracle if I'd made it, base skill. <laughs> well, I mean, you do get a little bit of the impression that she's holding back something. I read a I read an article in the paper not not, not too terribly long ago. Uh, uh Reginald we shared it over I, sh- I shared it with you guys over breakfast. There was a, another porter here. Uh he was actually saying that there was a uh, the the curse of um, of doing common. common. I cannot believe I, that that skirted my mind there. Oh yeah, you're talking about Maurice Gibbons. Um, yes, yes, that's it. I couldn't remember his name. I couldn't remember. Well, I definitely couldn't remember Gibbons. I'm not so sure that the fact that he was so willing to talk about it uh 
he, I think that he was assaulted, but I think his claims are a little, a little wild, um, but they're not different than what the other people have been saying. Is um, he around today? Is he here? I'm sure he's here somewhere. Um, uh, he's a, he's a fine man. He, uh, he does a very good job. I'd just love to pick his brain about that. That would be a nice folly to discuss. Well, you I don't know how you would find him. He could be anywhere in the museum, but it's possible. You say it's odd that he would speak so openly about it to the paper. Is it Well, is what I mean is that people or... like to be like to feel important. And it's immodest, you know. And uh, do a uh, well I, I think that you kind of get the impression that she's she knows something, but she doesn't want to exactly say it. You could use a charm or a, a persuade. How did I not put any points in either one of those? <laughs> I'll try it. I have a decent persuade. So. Okay, you're not going to break her knuckles, okay? <laughs> no, no, no. I actually... <laughs> I'm going to persuade you right now. <laughs> I failed. I've got a slender chance to turn on the charm. I am a eligible widower after all. No, terrible 71. I've got spinach in my teeth for breakfast. I'll give it a go. Believe it or not, I too had rolled a 71 on my charm. Hmm. We should, we should nope. go out of the town. That's it. With spinach you, teeth. You've got a one in a hundred chance of rolling the same number. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, well, uh, as I said at the beginning of our game, that if you can find a way, uh, I'll. Uh, we don't have to rely on rolls. You know, um, listen off the record. You know, I mean, I've been to Egypt. I've done some exploring. I've spooked myself out many a times over there. There are some, there is some scary stuff out there. Uh, you, I mean. From you know one explorer to well, you explore throughout the museum. I mean, come on, there's got to be a really cool, interesting story that you know it's just between you and me and the four walls. Well, listen, just you know, I don't want anybody to think that I'm going dotty. Yeah, we don't work for a newspaper. We don't work for. We're just friends of the museum. Uh, about a week ago. She says, uh, I was working late around 8 p.m. I had to go down into one of the storage chambers. Uh, and as I walked in, I thought I saw a kind of a dark shadow. Uh, it seemed to rear up and cry out uh, as I walked in. And it sounded like it said, I... I, I it, it sounded like it was in anguish. Uh, uh, I, I, I immediately crossed myself. I was, I was sure it wasn't human, that it was some sort of demon, because I didn't see anybody, just, just a shadow. And, and then it sort of just disappeared into the dark. And uh, I, I won't go back there. Not, not, I'll go there during the day, but not during the night. When it cried out, 
did it say anything like let me out or set me free? Something like perhaps it said where has it gone? Where has it gone? Yes, it was in um it was in storage room uh, B11. Is that right? Yes, 11B. She says it was, uh, it was very frightening, but I've heard other people now talking too about a shadowy thing. And of course, Mr. Mr. McLaughlin and, and uh, our lawyer both said it was some sort of shadow. But I, I feel like we're all going nuts. Let me ask you a question. How big is 11B storage? Oh, there's a lot in there. Like, because I can show you. Right. Yes, it's, it's, it's bright daylight now, and you've got four, uh, you know, rugged gentlemen to accompany you. Uh, is there like a master list of all the pieces there? Is it 20,000 pieces, 200 pieces? Uh, I I don't think so. I think well, that's one of the rooms that we're we're cataloging, um, so it hasn't all been cataloged. Mm. Um, there's probably a couple of thousand pieces in there. Anyway, she walks you down a corridor and down another corridor and around the corner, and you can see that the the rooms are all sort of numbered. Um, and you get to the eleventh corridor and you go to room B, and it's it's a fairly large room. I'd say maybe 50 foot by 50 foot. And there are tables with lots and lots of cuneiform things. And there's a few statues. And there's like a big stone chest. And there's there's all sorts of things that are in the room. Um, Is it racks of wooden shelves? Uh, they're tables. Like tables. Yeah. Well, this is like uh, cheating on the best archaeolog uh, archaeological dig I can imagine. We don't have to get our hands dirty or get down on our knees. It's just all these wondrous things. So, do they leave this room when you've cataloged them, or do they? Or you work? Do you know how far they've gone around the room? Or I hmm. uh, outside the game, I don't actually know how the whole process works. But she says, she says, I'm going to make this up. She she assigns them a number based on the category, and then she numbers the piece and she tags it and and then it's just left where it is. Um, eventually it might be put somewhere else, but they start systematically going down one side and just one way or another. And she sort of points and she says it was it was over there. And what sort of artifacts are in that area? Uh, there are a lot of cuneiform tablets and there is that, that sort of stone uh, chest uh, the stone chest looks like it's about um, 12 by, where is it? The fact that I'm looking at this, oh, is it important? Uh, 20, 20 inches by 14 by 12. So it's, you know, but it's, it's made out of stone, carved stone. Miss Lancaster, would you mind if I just walk over to where the 
the animals. Of course, yeah, sure. Look around. The... Now, now, as I look on this table, do I see do I see other artifacts that have already been tagged, but are still sitting there? Um, not right there. These are all untagged. Okay, what's the nearest tagged item? Okay, you go to the nearest tagged item. And where is that in relation to where the thing was? A couple tables over. Good deal. And what is the tag number on the item? One nine six three two five five one one three. I have no idea. <laughs> now, Miss Lycaster, we know that doesn't follow the format of. No, GM said that. <laughs> well, when when we're cataloging these these items, Miss Lycaster. Is the storage room any part of the number? Uh, no. No, it's not. Okay. Okay. Uh, the um, the uh, stone chest is carved with images or text? Uh, uh, it's got sort of, um, I don't want to say it. Um, it's got designs on the corners. Uh, that, that are similar to flowers or reeds or something like that. And then in between that, on the flat side, there's cuneiform writing. Was there anything in this uh, chest? Um, she says, uh, I believe that there were four cuneiform tablets. And as as you both walk over there, you can see that there aren't. As an aside, I just look at them and smile. You know, I must assume everybody knows that. And, and she says, that's, that's strange. There, there should be four cuneiform tablets. Um, that were within this chest? Or just found alongside it? Yes. Um, I heard you speaking earlier about... Uh, Mr. Thompson, and you, you know that most of this stuff here is from a, pre, a, 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 a more recent day. Correct. Yes, yes, we do. Yes. I seem to recall, and she, she goes over and she has kind of a, a clipboard with some num numbers on it, and she's like, um, this piece was actually cataloged it was it's 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 a pre it it didn't get assigned a number, but it's described as a, law, a chest with uh, four cuneiform tablets inside. So I don't know what's happened to the the tablets. Perhaps they're they've been taken somewhere. Yes, perhaps they were cataloged separately and they've gone upstairs. Maybe there was something more interesting than a bill of lading on them. It's it's possible. Hmm. Honestly, Miss. Uh, Lancaster, we won't probably be asking Mr. Thompson himself. We and he had a bit of um, misunderstanding earlier this year and are oh, on terrible terms. That's unfortunate. He can be a rather um, you know, great man, all that. Not always modest. Indeed. Um, uh, now, is there a sort of incident report that you should put in about something like this? Um, I yes, it probably should. Uh, but once again, that they could just be misplaced or uh, something like that. 
Um, but she says, uh, I should probably re report that they're not here. Um, if, you, if you'll excuse me for a moment. And she walks oh, over. It's Miss Thompson, be before you go. I, I have I have I have question. I, Lancaster. I, <laughs> Miss Lancaster, I have a question for you, if if I may. Um, does me does Mr. Thompson uh, bring in any uh, outside um, experts in uh, Assyrian artifacts, like perhaps from the local universities, collaborators that he uh, discusses with? Um, well, I'm sure he has connections. But is there any anyone that you you would know offhand, like perhaps a gentleman that's that regularly comes down here to uh, to to help out with with things or look through artifacts and such? No, it's not really what I do, so mm. I don't. Okay, so nobody familiar who's not tied in with the museum or 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 uh, Mr. Thompson. No, but you uh, might ask you might ask her, Mr. Langdon. He might know somebody like that. Very well. I thank you very much, Mike. In fact, now, Mr. Langdon himself might might be able to help with that. Very good. Now, Tom, uh, when she goes to leave, does she take that list with her or does she put it down? Um, she puts it back where it was, okay. which was hanging on the wall on a, a thing. But she also goes to get a form because she does want to inquire about the missing tablets. Um, does she leave the room to do that? Um, uh, actually, yes, she does. She leaves the room. She says she'll, she'll be back in a few minutes. Right. I'd very much like to get a rubbing of the cuneiform on the front of this chest because we have a missing, we have three, I think, destroyed cuneiform tablets that we know of and four that are missing. And they might have an unusual character. Well, I don't know that you have anything to do a rubbing, but this is what it looks like. Hmm. A lot of text to translate in a hurry. Oh, I know what that's. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm pulling I out my well, thing and Reginald, cutting Reginald. down as much as I can. Do, who who has cuneiform? Uh, Reginald has um, Acadian. Yeah. Yeah, I want to take a look at that clipboard. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm certainly gonna pocket notebook. I'm gonna um, start copying as much of this down as I can. I mean, I'm not touching it, so I don't have to worry about her coming back and finding me. I'll start at the halfway mark there. You get the upper part. Well, if you have a, if you have a pocket notebook and a pencil, you can yeah. do a rubbing. Oh, true um, enough. That too. Um, uh, did you do an Acadian roll? No. So 31. 42. Is this worth spending luck on? Mm. Do you want to spend luck on it? If you can no. get a rubbing, you could read it later. You know, I actually have a lot of luck and have not spent any yet. So I'm going to, because I've recently learned that I can roll to retrieve some of it at the end. Uh, so 42, so 11 points will make me make it work. Okay, you're gonna spend it? I'm gonna spend it. So as you, as you sort of uh, hunker down there and start staring at it, mm -hmm. um, uh, 
you find that it's actually not that difficult to translate. It's mm. nothing complex. This is what it looks like. A dire warning for all who would experiment with the powers of the blackest night. Contained within are four. Two apiece convey the secrets of rituals no mortal should perform. Leave these scripts untouched to rot and dust until the seas consume the mountains and the stars turn black. Two within cause the darkness within a man's soul to be cast without. As a cursed shadow, he would walk unseen, cloaked in night and wrapped in doom, performing the ritual of the walking shadow at your peril, lest darkness consume you for all eternity. The curse shall only be broken with the sanctifying ritual. Held on to further, the rite described. On them, the shadow is diminished. Through rite of blood and light, delay not, lest madness and heart's cruelty conspire to affix. Beware. Um, so I'll be jotting down uh, furiously and muttering to myself for the next couple of minutes. Uh, but yeah, we've got a gentleman. We have a we have a, a lead. We're going to have to go back to those boys' houses and get those broken cuneiform tablets. Uh, yes, or get rubbings at the very least. So she eventually comes back. And she's like, well, I think that I should do a little bit of uh, investigation here myself and see if anything else is missing from the room. I'll have to put that on my my roster. Hmm. But, well, uh, sorry to have added, added to your workload. Uh, but I think um, I think it's quite interesting. I hope that uh, uncovering this loss will help you uncover whatever else odd is going on about this place. Well, I hope I'm not wasting my time. I hope it doesn't just turn out to be that some doctor grabbed those and he's translating them, whatever. They're sitting on a table nearby with a newspaper on top of them. Exactly. <laughs> um, so anyways, at this point, you guys wander around a little bit more and you don't really see that much that's that interesting. I'd like to get a Miss Leicester to give us a description of Mr. Gibbons, if she would. Oh, Mr. Gibbons. Uh, In case we uh, see him, I want to talk about Tutankhamun. Uh, he's, a, he's a museum porter, age 41. Uh, nothing but dark hair. Um, of course, he has a black eye. Right. You have been, this has been most enlightening, Miss Leicester, and I'm very grateful for your time. Of course. Once we are away from Mrs. Lanca uh, Leicester, I still, I, it's stuck in my head. I think Gibbons is the one who, when's the last time Gibbons was seen when he did that article? When he we talked to the newspaper, how long ago was that? Um, newspaper article was. Uh, oops, where am I? Now, if 
he is cursed somehow. Maybe when he was attacking the other people, he wound up getting his, I don't know. That was the 19th if, of October. Now, I want to know, I wish you could see if he's punched in since then. If he's been at work and punched in, then it's not him. But if he hasn't shown up since then, then he's the spirit. Well, Miss Leicaster's response to that sort of a question is, sure, he's here. He works. Right. She said she she expected that he was around somewhere today. So if he'd been missing for weeks, we'd know. And again, we have three collectors whose collections have been smashed. So what we need is the fourth. We need to get get the name from Gibbons of the fourth buyer, because the fourth right. buyer Gibbons does not have a cuneiform either. I think I think fourth buyer is is man who used black ritual, and uh, essentially put himself between worlds. And he's looking for for these, uh, these uh, wording tablets. Now, if he smashed the other tablets, they weren't the ones he was looking for. So I don't think we need to go back and piece the other ones together. Well, we need though. Well, that's true. Uh, we we don't want the one that allows you to, to do this in the first place. No, but he has that one. He has right. that one though. So there's yeah. a, a missing set of tablets with somebody we might not know about yet. Right. We could, uh, Edgerton, Edgerton's uh, notebook said something about where he got Gibbon's name. So that might be a lead if we didn't already know that name. Uh, no, he said that he got it from uh, uh, the, the man baby. Um, <laughs> right. Smiley? Uh, Matthew Smiley. Yeah. Right. So we've got, yeah. I mean, it's also not clear. It, it's the, the, um, the shadow. And I guess we're, we've gone upstairs and we're in the regular halls of the museum now talking quietly amongst ourselves. Um, uh, because Gibbons took these four tablets out of their casing, which had the instruction and the warning on it, the four recipients of those tablets didn't read that warning. Correct. So, you know, the spirit doesn't know what he's looking for necessarily, doesn't know their relationship to the other three. I was, I'll have to, you know, and of course I'm passing the notebook around and we're, trying to figure this out. I'm not even sure if I understand. It seemed like there were six tablets described, not four. Do you, you want to read it again? Yes, please. I'll bring it up. We'll assume this is your notes now that you're looking at. And we would have to assume that the spirit who is now cursed can read cuneiform because if not, how could he have cast a spell? Right. Yeah, that's why that's why it's somebody educated. All right. So again, a dire warning for all who would experiment with the powers of the blackest night contained within are four. Two apiece convey the secrets of rituals no mortal should perform. Leave these scripts untouched to rot and dust until the seas consume the mountains and the stars turn black. Two within cause the darkness 
within a man's soul to be cast without. As a cursed shadow, he'd walk unseen, cloaked in night and wrapped in doom. So were those the same two that should be left untouched that caused the darkness to be cast without? It's unclear. I think two of the curse and two of the cure. Perform the ritual of the walking shadow at your peril, lest darkness consume you for all eternity. The curse shall only be broken with the sanctifying ritual, held on to further the rite described. So that's six, right? No, I think he's referring to the same two more than once. Two of them have the curse and two have the sanctifying ritual. On them, plural, the shadow is diminished. Through the right of blood and light, delay not, lest madness and heart's cruelty conspire to affix. So somehow, somehow, even though we know of the location, perhaps of three, none of them have satisfied the shadow yet. See, that's why I was thinking it was Gibbons, because he's going to all the people who he sold the stuff to. Unless Gibbons sold to another individual, punched Gibbons in the face, giving him the black eye. Gibbons told him everybody he sold the stuff to, and he's visiting each house. I think that's more likely right there. All right. We may not be dealing with Big Warlock. We might actually be dealing with Tabler here, or someone who read tablets and didn't realize that it caused the situation. But like Reginald said, he would have to be an educated man because... Very. Very educated. And the one who knows about... One of the ones who knows Cuneiform very well was Thompson. Has anybody seen him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's His absence would be a big deal. Thompson it's is accounted for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really just a question. If two of them are the curse and two of them are the cure... And the spirit has one, a curse. Why would he smash all three? Except, I guess, all of the ones that Gibbons sold weren't from within this chest. That's Let's probably the case. There's a larger shopping list. We have to find Gib the not unknown people that bought tablets from Gibbons. Right. Gibbons sold a bunch of tablets. He doesn't know what's on the tablets, so he told the spirit, oh, Smiley has them, Noble, whatever, Edgerton blah, 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 all had tablets. He hit Morris Gibbons, giving him the black eye to reveal the information. Now, I still think we need Gibbons. We need Gibbons to find out all the names of his his buyers. Yeah. And but he's going to be a lot more skittish in telling us because he's already had problems with uh, these gentlemen turning into a shadow. And yeah, well, and then, probably confused him somewhat. Whereas four well-dressed gentlemen who threatened to turn him into the authorities and his boss is a much more tangible real. threat. And also hope that we're not too late. We yeah. we have to act on this like immediately. I think. Mm. Yes, it says that madness comes. I think it's already here with him, you know, tearing up places and stuff, and smashing things. Right, but if he got the final name from Gibbons, he's already acting on it or will be any day soon. Could be acting right now. Right, so I guess what we have to do is uh, find ourselves some refreshments. 
determine roughly when the porter's workday is over and uh, wait to find our fellow with a black eye and buttonhole Mr. Gibbons. Hmm. Uh, okay, I'll do that if you really want me to, but no. <laughs> For Only Cyrus, that means forcing a man's head through a button. <laughs> figuratively, <laughs> Cyrus, figuratively. Okay, okay. <laughs> Just checking, boss. <laughs> uh, is, so is there anything we should do other than refresh ourselves until the, um, until the bell rings at 5.30 or whatever it is? You know, we could just stroll through the museum. It's and um, yeah, I, just I, I mean, I imagine the porters are mostly out of sight, but it's not. I've got nowhere else to be. My my concern is if the all the attacks were at night. If we wait till five o'clock, we only have a couple of hours to get anything done we need. We've been given access to walk around. Let's walk around the back and look for a porter with a black eye. I like that. I'll walk with you. I have no objection I mean, to that plan. I'd rather do that than sit and drink some whiskey. Although that... I guess we, can... we have to make sure that Yates knows that we're, you know... I mean, we can't just walk through any door. We've seen that that can be embarrassing. Right, and we Big could trouble. just claim ignorance. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. We were told we could walk around. And perhaps Mr. Yates could uh, point us in a better direction to find uh, our query. Yeah, once we tell the head of security that we're looking for a particular porter after there's a report of some things missing, I think Ooh, we're... But we could tell him, he, he already he already knows we're part of the Wentworth Club, and the Wentworth Club is known to research occult. We want to get the story about the Tutankhamun's ghost. We want to get the there real story, go. not the story the newspapers got. We want the real story. There and you go. Gotta, you know, that still might not be something we take to Yates. Oh, but you, you don't tell the head of security that you want to get some better gossip from an active employee. Well, we only do that with Yates if Yates actually stops us. Well, let me give you this. You've already gotten, you've already, Yates has already been told that you're down there looking around and that you have right. a position. Um, yeah. There are other security guards. And if they, if they ask you who you are and why you're down there, they take your word for it. I mean, you don't look suspicious. And, and if he has to confirm it with Yates, Yates is like, yes, they're allowed to be down here. So. And Fair we enough. could ask moment, other... Oh, sorry. We could ask other security guards if they know Gibbons, because it's not questionable, you know? Sure. All right, let's go on the Gibbons side. Well, and there are other, uh, there are other porters down here, too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Any porter that we see. guy and that redhead aren't uh, <laughs> aren't the guy you're looking for. Yeah, I look. I'll look for the nearest nearest porter. All right, there's a there's a porter, and he's he's pushing a cart with some uh, odd looking bits of pottery on them. Just heading down the, the aisle. Are you there, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, have you seen Maurice Gibbons around? Um, thought I saw him over in the uh, the West Wing uh, a little while ago. This way? Um, that way, yes. Excellent. Thank you very much. 
and not, um, I'm not blind. I can't do a <laughs> chip, chip, and all that rot. Yeah. I, I can, I can do the Dick Van Dyke axe. Maybe <laughs> safe a good day, hey. Mary oh. Poppins. <laughs> oh yes. All right, you guys. He is in last scene in the West Wing, which is that way. That way. That way. yeah. That way. <laughs> Um, all right, so you guys walk around, you pass a few other people. Do you want to talk to anybody else, or do you want to? We don't want to tell everyone we're looking for him because it'll get back to him. Okay. Um, everybody do a spot hidden. 22. Oh, a hard. Exactly a hard. Regular. Hard. All right. Um, uh, you guys are just sort of nonchalantly walking in, th- in that direction. And um, a ways ahead of you, you know, a couple corridors farther on ahead of you, uh, you notice a man cross, you know, going from one side to the other, uh, w- also wheeling a cart. But as he does, he sort of glances in your direction. And when he sees you, his eyes go wide and he just, he goes faster. And he just he just immediately disappears out of sight. I'll I'm going right for him then. If he's going to take now, off, is, what, what kind of no running? <laughs> is this a uh, are these are these connected rooms of hallways so that we could yeah. sort of go around him? Yeah, Possibly. Let's let's let's, uh, let's try to um, let's stroll uh, uh, willfully around and try to. Cut him off the pass, as they say in the old American westerns. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. There's a few moments of you know passing corridors and 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 trying to sort of rush ahead, and uh, uh, you can hear his cart, you know, making noise. And as you come around a corner, he's turned a corner, but he's coming straight at you, and he sees you, and he goes, "Oh, pardon me," says, and he turns around quickly and and starts to try to. Go I, I launch after him like uh, quickly like i'm not no you're gibbons enough uh i'm sorry says i'm very busy uh you're gonna I'll, be a great deal more busy gibbons breaking rocks if you don't stop to talk to us i, I i'm sorry sir uh i i have a great deal to do today thank you I the nice thing my about knuckles <laughs> the nice thing about carts is it's very easy to stop them with a toe it's true so, so if we've got one on the other side. So he sort of he sort of stiffens up and he says, uh, uh, "What's this all about?" Mm, what indeed? Why do you think you'd run away from us, Mister Gibbons? I'm sorry, sir. I'm very busy. I, I I'm always in a rush. Mm. I make sure to stop behind him. All right, you've got him pinned. He can't go anywhere. I'm taking one, but to keep an eye out for anybody coming in around here. Gibbons, Mister Yates, being the lookout. Mister Yates does not need to know about the conversation. But if you attempt to evade us, Mr. Yates will certainly know about what's been going on here. I'm not sure I know what you're talking about, sir. Felix? You know what we're talking about, guy. No, sir, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. We're talking about your secondary employment as a purveyor of lost antiquities. We're talking about Mr. Smiley. We're talking about uh, Mr. Edgerton. We know what you're up to. 
Yeah. Yes, quite. Now, we need your help immediately. And if we receive it, uh, we will not, not inform upon you. It, it, it's not me, sir. It, oh. It's Mr. Williams. Aha. Uh -huh. And why should we believe that? I'm sorry, sir. It's, it's, uh, Mr. Williams has been occasionally taking things. And does he have some hold over you that you would keep that secret and let him blame you? Well, he is a mate, sir. Uh, don't, uh, I don't want to rat him out. But he's the man you want to look for. You know, there's a gentleman that died. Oh, sorry. That's, that's, that's Teddy Williams, is it? Yes, yes, Ted Williams. How long has it been since you've seen Ted Williams? Oh, it's been a while. I, I believe he, he probably figured out that someone was on to him uh, because he hasn't been in for a while. Hasn't been in for a matter of weeks, would you say? Um, yes, sir, I'm not quite sure, but it's been a while, yes. Mm -hmm. And when you received that black eye, Morris, was it from Mr. Williams? No, sir. It was from some dark shadow? Yes, sir. The dark shadow didn't speak to you, though? Actually, it did, sir. Hmm. Didn't sound like Teddy Williams. It wanted to know where Teddy was. Ah, uh, very interesting. Oh, that makes things a great deal more grave, gentlemen. Can I go now, sir? No, not yet. <laughs> so you, how did you learn about Mr. Williams' extracurricular activities? He confided me in, 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 he confided to me, sir, over a drink at his favorite bar. Which is? Uh, the Fox and Hound on Copenhagen Street, near his home. Uh, we were having a drink with his friend, Bill Lancaster. What's Bill do for a living? Uh, not sure, sir. Did he confess because he was feeling guilty or anxious? Uh, he was drunk, sir. Mm-hmm. Been there. He's been, uh, he's been taking, he's been pinching the items and uh, selling them to uh, uh, rich people all across London, sir. Yes, that's the impression that we've gotten. Um, you don't have any idea who his buyers were, I take it? Oh, no, sir. I, I have no idea. I'm not involved really at all. Not at all, but no. yet you're the one who hand delivers those items. No, no, sir. He does. You know, he's been using your name. Has he, sir? Mm, that's why we came to uh, approach you so abruptly. Does he, is he a similar looking chap to you? Dark hair? Oh, no, not at all, sir. Uh, how do you mean he's been using my name? 
uh, one of the fellows that he sold something to gave us gave the name Maurice Gibbons. I don't know how he could have done that, sir. And didn't the gentleman we're referring to say it was a man with dark hair? He just said it was average. Average. Okay. Okay. Very generic. I got it. Just like you, Maurice. You fit the description to a T. And they're using your name. So if there's something you're not telling us or trying to cover for somebody else, why don't you cut the shit and just tell us? In, In fact, Maurice, there was a death associated with one of these incidents. And if your name... Because the person who brought it was Maurice Gibbons, and I'm standing in front of Maurice Gibbons, and um, when they look for a suspect, which the unfortunate gentleman died, you're going down for murder. So, so uh, I, I don't know anything about a murder. Well, we do, and well, your name's associated. So if you know anything, I'd spill it right now, buddy. I'll admit, sir, I, I did have a hand in, in, in some of it. But uh, I don't know anything about a murder, sir. Well, look in um, October 23rd's newspaper. Uh, once again, I don't know anything. I, I haven't forgotten, sir. I just don't, I know nothing about anybody being murdered. And I don't think Teddy would kill anyone either. Look, we've been, times are hard. We don't make a tremendous amount of money, but I don't want to jeopardize my job. Where does Teddy live? Teddy lives on Copenhagen Street. Uh, um, actually, actually, it's just off of Copenhagen. He lives at 33 Plutney Street in Islington, North, North London. So I... Uh, We procured a few items uh, and uh, sold them uh, to some wealthy people who wanted to keep them. Um, We didn't make a great deal of money, sir, but... What we need very much from either Ted or from you, Morris, is a complete list of the buyers. You see, some of the objects you sold, unbeknownst to you, were in fact quite dangerous as well as quite valuable. Oh dear, sir. Um, and there are going to be more deaths unless we can track down each and every one of your. Um, I, I have only. I have only, I have only sold uh, a, a, a couple of pieces, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. I sold. Uh, Excuse me, sir. That's somebody at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get rid of that doorbell. Uh, <laughs> ta-ta. Bye-bye. <laughs> he says, um, uh, sir, there's, there's only been two people that I've sold to, sir. Uh, 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 Mr. Andrew Noble mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Mr. Stanley Edgerton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I sold Mr. Edgerton a couple of pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I, I sold Mr. Noble a couple of pieces, I believe. But but 
I don't think that they were of any great value, sir. Yes, or, none of the pieces that you sold, I take it, were from the uh, from within uh, a sort of a crate or cask that no, contained sir. a set of four. No, sir. The, the 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 pieces I took were from the uncatalogued. Uh, they were just sitting on the table. Well, uh, the four pieces that uh, were determined to be missing this day. Mr. Williams uh, must have taken those, sir. Yes, he must have. Um, they're going to cause a bit of a tightening in security. And so I suggest for your own good and that of your family, Mr. Gibbons, that you uh, refrain in future from dabbling in antiquities, which you do not understand. Yes, sir. I, 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 I make. I, I am. I am fully repentant on what I have done. I shall not repeat this again. Are you going to turn me in, sir? No, but Miss Morris, Morris, Morris. At first, when I got here, I, just looking at you, I didn't like you. But now you kind of grown on me. Now I know when we walk away, every fiber in your being is going to want to call Teddy Williams and say, "Hey, Teddy." There's some gentlemen looking for you. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to go find Teddy. I'm going to give him a very right thrashing. And he'll tell me if you called him. And he, if he called, if you called him, I'm going to go ring your doorbell. I'm going to beat you, beat your children, and beat your wife. Now, and I go like this, and I show him my pistol, and I tell him, you're going to keep your fucking mouth shut. You're going to go about your work, and you're going to do right by yourself. If not, I'm going to connect you to that murder, and I'm going to come to your house and do nasty, nasty things to everyone that I find there. I don't believe Mr. Williams has a telephone, sir. You, 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 you getting wise with me, or are you listening to me? I heard you, sir. I, I shall not repeat my uh, indiscretion, sir. And I walk away. Maurice, how much did you make off the last sell? Uh, about a hundred pounds, sir. All right. I pull out a hundred pounds. I put it on your cart. And thank you for being honest with us. And I walk away. I follow. Um, yes, Mr. Gibbons. Um, we're an eccentric group, but we do get things done. Good day to you. He's <laughs> like, I should tell the truth more often. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what's next? So it's a beeline for Copenhagen Street and its intersection. I have a feeling that Teddy is going to be in the Fox and the Hound rather than at home, since he's not going to work and not telling his wife. All right. Um, give me a moment, because I think there's a misnumber. A misprint. Gentlemen, um, since we are going into a pub situation, it might be more uh, conducive to, when we see Teddy, to uh, how we say... Um, Loosen his lips through a lot more subtle means, i.e., a good beer. 
or Ted. No, I go, you know, guys, I wouldn't, I'd beat the crap out of him, but I wouldn't touch his wife or kids. Just no, so you know I know, that. I know, but I'm just saying that we have a opportunity <laughs> to be a little bit more subtle. Not that I have anything against what you came up with there, Cyrus. I, I think uh, even if when Felix gave him the money, I still think he would do everything in his power to contact his friend. Fear of loss and then the generous tip should keep his mouth sealed. I agree. The one-two of mental anguish. <laughs> I do believe that was the ultimate in good cop, bad cop. Hey, that might catch on. Good cop, bad cop. Mm. That should be a technique. Good cop, bad cop, weird cop, polite cop. (laughs) (laughs) Quiet cop. We're taking it on the road. All right. So you're heading towards uh, that part of London. Um, uh, you see that the street, uh, what was it, Pullman or? Uh, Put- Putney? Putney Street. Um, uh, Copenhagen and Putney Street goes off of it, and the pub is right there on that corner. Gentlemen, I could use a, 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 a nosh as well as a beverage. Uh, and I, again, my theory is that we'll find Mr. Williams ensconced in a corner smoky and roomy. Mm. If not, we could always try home. Sounds like my kind of place. Let's let's roll right in. Let us go. Well, like in so many movies, uh, I mean, you can hear the noise from the pub. And when you walk through the door, it almost immediately sort of dies down to nothing. And you can see that all of the people in here are lower working class people. And you guys are all dressed in fairly upper class suits. So they look like at you like, who the fuck are you? And why are you in our bar? <laughs> Which is where Felix comes in. Easy. I believe we're celebrating Felix. Uh, what do you think of around in the house is in order? Oh, indeed. Yes, yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, the bartender looks you up and down, and he says, and now, he says, uh, I doubt seriously that we got anything in this bar that uh, that you folks would want to drink. Well, let's see if I've got anything in my pocket that you might want to put in your till. And he's like, uh, we don't want your money here. We're... Uh, this is a family place. This is for us. Uh, we'd rather not have to deal with the likes of uh, you uh, posh people. So everybody here doesn't want a free drink? They all just glare at you. There, There's like looks of hatred in their eyes. Well, I see what we got going on here. A little bit of a uh, little, little bit of a uh, class separation, I guess, huh? Well, a couple of these <laughs> big fellas, <laughs> they adjust their seats and they look like they're about to get up and maybe these people look like they really enjoy a nice bar fight. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I think maybe we should take our business elsewhere. Let us go. 
Yes, if we're not wanted, I guess we're not wanted. We yes. do um, have a, a bit more of Felix's cash, though, to give our friend, or a friend of a friend, Ted Williams, if any of you should see him. Uh, and I'll give, I'll drop a card on the bar. Uh, right. I have some business that I, I'm hoping he can help me with. Hmm. Casually looking around how, for Ted Williams how, on the way out. How many people are in the bar? And how big a boy are they? Like, yeah. like 20 people. And they all look like they just got off of working in the coal mines. And All right. If it was like eight people, nine, ten people maybe. Yeah, they, these are brawnies. They're all I would brawnies. just knock the shit out of the first guy right now. But that's too many people. Gentlemen, let's let let us go. Before we go, everybody's still quiet in the bar, still staring us down, staring daggers. Yeah, and you can feel like there's like a, a ticking time bomb. I just call out to nobody in particular, but to the far end of the bar. All right, Teddy. We'll just catch up with you at the house. Now, when I did that, did anybody make a move? Like somebody back in a corner booth, anything like that? Mm -mm. And I'll just turn around and, and, and leave as if... Uh, my message was received by whoever it was I was talking to. All right. And then when we get outside, it was just a fish. It was, it was just fishing to see if Teddy would say something or if we saw it. So I'm guessing that he wasn't in there. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that he was in there, but didn't want to get beat to a pulp by his mates. No, I, I do agree. I did not realize that it was that, uh, like that, or else I would have dressed down. But then again, I think that makes all of us here. If we don't get anything, uh, if we don't get a call, or he doesn't scurry home, and I assume, again, he's not at home, um, maybe Felix can send one of his rougher uh, home help beats out. Yeah. Some okay, of the nice Islington accent. And it might actually go over better, especially if uh, Teddy wasn't around here to have, uh, shall we say, go to to uh, contact him. And Protocol and, and such. On top of that, if we don't hear anything, we can get Smiley, who was already passed Morris's name on, to contact Ted. Assuming Ted is among the quick. Mm, true. So are we going to go to Ted's house? Just to scope it out, at least? I think we might as well ride by, huh? Yeah, we're yes. right here. Let's just not make it clear to his wife that he hasn't been at work for a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, uh, you get to the place. I lost track of time. What time is it? It's still daytime, isn't it? Well, museum was 10 o'clock meeting. We were probably there for a few hours. Yeah, you know, I would say it's early afternoon, early to mid-afternoon. Okay. Uh, so you, you pull up to 33 uh, Plutney Street, and it is a, uh, it's a small terraced house. Uh, its front door opens right onto the street. Um, there are, you can see that there are faded yellowing curtains 
uh, in the windows. Um, there is a seven foot tall gate uh, at the left hand side of the house, uh, which provides access uh, to the rear and to uh, the kitchen door. And there's a tiny overgrown garden that clearly hasn't been tended in some time. Uh, as you walk up, you also notice a rat scurrying by. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of neighborhood. What do you think um, Mr. Edward Williams has uh, won a prize of some kind and we're looking for him to tender a check? Sounds good. I've got a feeling he's not going to answer this door. I do as well. But uh, there is no answer, and you also notice that there is a pile of mail. Uh, is there? Um, is there? Is there a, a the, the pile of mail is on, in a, coming out of a mailbox or coming out of a door slot? It, it's coming out of a slot, but it looks like it's been stuffed. I mean, there there's there's at least three weeks of mail there. Is it addressed to Ted Williams, Mr. and Mrs. Ted Williams? No, just, just Mr. Williams. So he's a bachelor. I'm not trying and it's, to it's all unimportant mail. I, I was just going to ask that. I was going to start looking through what I could pull out. We try the, I'm going to try the doorknob. Uh, it's locked. So and I, street traffic in Islington? Well... There's on a weekday people, afternoon? Uh, yeah, there's people here and there, and there's there's some traffic. And and nobody from the pub followed us? Doesn't look like it. Uh, and are people, passers-by, looking at us like, oh, what's the swell doing here? Or, you know, it's just street clothes. If somebody does walk by, it's casual. They just sort of go on with what they're doing. You're probably bill collectors or something. Who knows? Can I go around through that gate? over to this untended garden and around the side and sure kind of tuck away from the street a bit yeah you can do that um i'll close the gate behind me unless one of you guys want to come come with i'll come with you just in case especially in this neighborhood yeah vadim and i will stand here and make, make conversation be lookout and if you if it's interesting give us a whistle absolutely all right is there a uh, back door yeah there's a kitchen door and how exposed is that to heavy traffic? Uh, it's not really at all. It opens on a back alley. All right. First off, I'll check the doorknob. The easy it's part. unlocked. Oh. Oh. Hello, hello. No sound. Cyrus, let's go. All right. Got it. We go inside. Okay. As soon as you take a couple steps in, actually, as soon as you push open the door, dog. Um, what's that? A dog? No. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> there's, there's a bit of a crunching noise on the ground, and you realize there are broken plates on the ground. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say it's roaches. No. <laughs> Th those are in the sink. Um, somebody's ransacked the place. Pots and pans have been pulled out. Uh, um, plates have all been smashed. Not all, but most of them have been smashed. And you can see through to the 
the, the living part of the room, same thing. Um, the room has been ransacked. It's been, furniture has been damaged. It's been torn open. Um, uh, and you can see, you can see your friends on, on the outside of the door. Open it up and let them in. All right. I don't think we were the first ones here, guys. Mm, bad business. Crashed it. Uh, you open. You open up the room. Uh, I mean, you open up the door, and, and the others come in. And what they see is what was kind of behind you on the wall, which is this. It looks like somebody smashed a bottle of India ink and then wrote with their finger on the wall. Okay, so this isn't the Shadow Man then. Nope, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking Shadow Man was client. Now... Makes sense. Bill Lancaster, is that... Bill Lancaster is just a friend of his. We don't know anything about him. Okay. But... He he was he was bragging the pub about his sideline. Bill might be worth following up with, but uh, he probably doesn't have a client list. Hmm. I'm sorry to say. I'd like to look around and see if he kept if if uh, Williams here kept a client list or a or a uh, customer list or something be it in his living room his uh, bedroom nightstand I mean I'm, I know it's already been ransacked through but hopefully they were just looking for the tablets and not so much the uh, the details or a list of who he's sold do a spot hidden for me Ninety-seven. I'm looking around to see if there's anything go that jumps up. Frogs. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm looking around just to see if there's anything like uh, out of place or something that catches my attention. Why don't you do, do a, an, an idea roll for me? Nope, I'm kind of clueless. I'm still so foggy-headed. There is a uh... This is a, a single or two floor dwelling. It's two floors, but it's right. it's a small place. Yeah, I'm gonna head upstairs. I'm I'm looking for any indication of another resident except for Ted, uh, and I'm also looking out for uh, bodies. Uh, no bodies. Uh, the the upstairs is just as bad as the downstairs. In fact, even the bed sheets have been torn up. Um, uh, Felix, for you, I mean. The drawers, every all the drawers are open. Everything's been thrown out of the drawers. Uh, it's different than what you've seen before because most of the other people, it was just their collections that were attacked. And this, the whole, this looks like somebody was looking for something. And they tore the place apart looking for it. Well, the other places had collections, so it wouldn't have been kept someplace else. This this house doesn't have a collection, so they had looked everywhere. Yes. Uh, 
Um, and the place doesn't have a telephone, of course. Um, does he have any papers at all? Um, Did Mr. Yeah. Williams have anything? He has, he has papers and he has, uh, you know, bills and stuff like that. And because if uh, he's, I, you know, if he's going to live with his mom and dad and we could find an address for them, that might be helpful. He can't live at the pub, probably. And it, it's clearly hasn't stayed in the bedroom since it was ransacked. Um, let's see. Cyrus, do a, a spot hidden roll. All right. 39 out of 46, so just a basic. Okay. Um, you find a place, uh, we'll say, uh, where there is a loose floorboard, um, because there's nowhere else to hide anything, and you find a wallet with 400 pounds in it. Hey, guys, I found an empty wallet. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I call the gents, look, and I sh take the wallet out. It's obviously this is where he's been hiding his cash. Mm. Uh, so this was under the floorboard. Uh, was it dusty? Yes. I mean, it looks like nobody's been here in three weeks. Is I there think. anything else in the wallet besides money? Uh, no, it's it's a wall. It's not like a wallet you carry around. It's a, it's a money like a fold. It's a folded money thing to keep it. Right. So, uh, we're not going to find Ted Williams. No one's seen him for three weeks. He didn't take his money with him. Uh, I think that Spectre found him. Could I, Cyrus? Could I see that? Uh... That wallet, please. Here you go. Why don't you give Benson and your staff another tip? I just take a hundred pound note that I, to make up for the one that I gave uh, uh, Glib Gibson Gibbons. <laughs> I think it's only fair, and I don't want to take any more. So, well, give give my share to Benson and your staff for being ever so polite with my. Uh, you know excesses well technically i didn't do anything but threaten them but anyway well, we're getting the fingers off. well yeah but you know fuck them so uh the ruffians at the pub have my card if anyone there is ted williams or on his behalf wants to contact us uh i think we should go back to the collectors, especially uh, Babyface Smiley, uh, and see who gave whose name to whom, because we basically we're missing the collector that is now wandering the streets in shadow form, losing its mind. And without Teddy Williams, I don't know who else, who can tell us, but every, you know, we know that Edgerton got got uh, Gibbon's name from Smiley. So there's a chain of information passing from collector to collector. And I think that's our best source of information. If we want to save this poor damn soul, hmm. which is an F. Also in the process, we might be able to piece together the cuneiform tablets that offer the cure and figure out whose blood we're going to offer 
But with some time and study, I should be able to translate those tablets if we can get them pieced together. We also have his friend to look into. Maybe, maybe Teddy went with his friend or his friend knows where Teddy is. That's well, true. If one of us, well, maybe again, maybe one of Felix's lads will come back and ask about Bill Lancaster. I think that's a great idea right there because we would not fit in with that sort of crowd. Even Felix. I dress down nicely, you guys. Oh, <laughs> I do too, but... Uh, yeah, we've already made a little bit of a scene there, and we don't want to really connect Bill Lancaster and us if we could have a completely unrelated inquiry. Yeah. yeah, the worst part now, in retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have thrown my hand up and waved to an invisible Teddy, being that his house has been absolutely trashed, and there's a big sign that says, give me the tablets on the wall. We could just beat that. a memorable occurrence there. Yes, but we could just beat them to the punch and call, uh, Reginald can call his friend at the yard and uh, tell him to come investigate the house. Uh, very true. That'll clear us up before anybody oh. could get an angle on us. Hmm. We, we've technically already been working with them on some stuff, so they... Yeah, this is the homicide, but it's a missing person. And if they find him, then we have the opportunity to learn where he is. So we have the constabulary working for us. I think that's a good idea. Let's find a call box. Wipe your fingerprints off things. Well, they just didn't take, really do that. Just take the entire that's wallet. True. Take the whole thing. Oh, I didn't mean that. Yeah, we're, that's, that's just coming with us. I meant, you know, doorknobs. Okay. Um, and let's, uh, let's actually get out of this area and use the call box. We were right. We don't need the police's help getting into the house. So, uh, if we could lock the door behind us, I think that'd be polite. Well, the leave the back door open and tell them. Yeah, we'll just leave it as we found it, right. minus one wallet that what was beneath wallet? the floorboard. Indeed. No idea what you're talking about. Is that calfskin? Oh. Maybe. Why not? And uh, actually, right. actually, do an idea roll. We can all do an idea roll. I found that. Oh, I succeeded boldly. 12. So that's a, nah, it's a very Extreme. good hard. Well, it's, it's only a minor thing, except that it's obviously that, that he's been, must have been doing this for a while because one, he's got that wad of cash, but also. There's things in his place that a person of his standing, um, he wouldn't be able to afford normally. So, yeah, he's he's got some, he's doing something <laughs> or has been doing something. Obviously selling artifacts of, uh, amongst maybe other things. So, but none of the things, none of the indicators of his uh, ongoing fiscal excess are noteworthy in themselves, right? It's just he's got a nicer nicer version of this and that that he otherwise would. Right. Yeah. Gentlemen, something just came to my mind here. Um, it seems that uh, Teddy here is uh, doing more than just uh, artifacts in this, this whole se selling, which 
would definitely put them on black market as well as the uh, underworld. And uh, we got the Squido guy who keeps popping up in conversation. And it is my thought that this maybe the Squido guy might be uh, a good candidate for um, being one of one of his uh, his uh, clients, if not uh, shadow person. Perhaps Squido is a lot more uh, learned than uh, we give him credit for. It would be very pleasing to associate these events with those of the early summer. But I wouldn't jump to conclusions. Also, Vadim, we need to think about the final dispossession of that hateful idol. Frankly, you look like shit, my good man. We'll talk more about it. I've been mulling over things about idol. Um, at tea, we will talk about idol. All right. I'd like to go back to the club for that tea. Uh, that way, if uh, if Ted Williams was in the pub and, and took that card, or some associate of his did, they, we can be reached. And then we can use the club to make calls to Mr. Smiley, uh, Edgerton. Who's the third? Uh... Noble, is it? Noble, yes. Yeah, I think we should make those calls and, and see if we can get together those fragments as soon as possible, because time is of the essence. All right. Are you going out the front door or the back door? Uh, let's lock the front door from the inside and go back out the kitchen door. All right. Uh, so you go out the back door. Uh, you close the door. You, uh, you walk around to the side. And you start walking to your car. And as you're walking to your car, uh, there's a, a gentleman. Uh, looks like he's maybe in his late 20s. Uh, he's dressed in a very fine suit. Uh, he has a little bowler hat. Um, Mr. Williams. But he's obviously of Arab descent. And he oh. says... He says, excuse me, gentlemen. He says, my name is Azar Udin. And uh, I believe that I have something of use to you uh, if you are willing to make a deal. We are willing to talk. Uh, yes. I Perhaps we could, we, we could uh, go somewhere to sit and discuss. I tell him in Arabic that... Uh... If he'd like to take a ride, we're willing to talk. Uh, he says, unfortunately, I have other business that I must attend to shortly. Therefore, let me be brief. Says, By all means. Uh, I'm, I'm well aware of the uh, break-ins at uh, the private collector's houses. Uh, I'm aware of Mr. Noble, Mr. Smiley, and Mr. Edgerton, and that his associates are interested in resolving the situation. Uh, I would like to make you a bit of an offer. You see, uh, the one who you seek is not as a mortal man. He walks in the darkness. He is shrouded in a cloak of shadows, and he cannot be stopped. He cannot be stopped. You will follow his trail 
and yet you will be unable to catch what you cannot hold. I offer you a deal that will benefit all. I know of what this thief seeks, and I know a way to catch him. <clears throat> I can give you I can give you this means of catching him in return for what he seeks. I want the tablets. You understand? This thief of night desires certain these tablets, which you are now aware of. Already he holds two of them. Uh, he seeks the last two, and with these, uh, his power will grow much stronger, allowing him the means to cause all manner of devilry. My associates and I would deal with him, but alas, our attention is diverted elsewhere, and he must rely, and we must rely on others, such as yourselves, to work in cooperation so that the harm that he does does not befall more people. I give this to you, if you agree. And he holds up a little scroll. Upon it is writ the means to trap the spider. He cannot escape if the thing is done right. Find the two tablets this thief seeks and return them to me is all we ask in return. We do not seek power. Our mission is to preserve unspeakable horrors from rearing up from the pages of history. Will you do this? Will you give me the, the tablets for this? Uh, my initial in, in, uh, impulse, Mr. Udim, is to feel quite put out that you know all of this and we have learned it with such painstaking when you could have simplified the matter for us enormously. The organization to which I belong moves... Which is... We are called the Children of Tranquility. You're not wearing a red turban, though. I would, I would rather blend in with uh, the locals, so they say. Quite fair. A very good uh, notion in Islington, I should think. How many strong are you? I'm not at liberty to discuss the details of the organization. I should I think not. I have, I have simply been given uh, the uh, authority to offer you this deal. We do not mean you any harm. That is not our purpose. How can we be sure that the children of tranquility do not wish to release this dark horror on the world? I'm afraid you only have my word to take for it. But our purpose for the last 3,000 years has to been to keep this from happening. That is all I'm at liberty to say. Can you at all explain to us why you're so preposterously well informed about our actions, our location, etc.? Let us just say that we have been watching you. And he turns, he turns towards Vadim and he says, I'm sorry for your first encounter. It was a little rash. It wasn't my decision to make. That I did figure out. I figured that it was a, uh, 
there were certain circumstances. If it was to be a uh, malicious event, then more malicious actions should have been perpetrated upon me. In any case, take the scroll and I will trust that you will turn this, these tablets over to us. They were not meant for men to use in this manner. They should and, not be used at all. And the two tablets that the entity currently has, we're at liberty to dispose of them at, at will? I, I want those as well. Yes, all four of them, please. Why should they not simply be destroyed, Mr. Odin? It's not my decision to make, sir. That it's understood. Very well. Well, provisionally, we accept your somewhat burdensome offer. Excellent. And he hands you the scroll. Do you have, since you're so well informed, where should we look for the spider? You should look in the shadows, sir. One, one thing, sir. When this bad business is done with, I would like to have a formal audience, perhaps with you, perhaps with others in your organization, to talk. Much it's is going possible, on. It's, it's possible that that might be arranged. I, I don't have any authority to say one way or the other. That I'm is all I'm asking is that perhaps we could facilitate, potentially facilitate a uh, entreaty of, uh, of uh, meeting to talk and discuss things. I, I, I understand, sir. Very good. Is no. there some way that we can get in touch with you directly? Or will you just appear mysteriously near our vehicle occasionally? You can wait for us to appear. And with that, he turns around and just starts walking away rather casually. I look around to see the other guys that are watching us somewhere because it's probably seems like well, a pretty very, normal neighborhood. Yeah, I just wave like that. And I think that's where we'll end the story for tonight. <laughs> uh, and our players included Jason Melnichok, Jason Byer. <laughs> Our players included Jason Melnichok, John Byron, Ford Fitch, Jerry Bryant, and David Gassaway with yours truly as Keeper of the Secrets. We're currently producing up to five shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. Our costs uh, involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck. Good gaming. Thank you.